Well, guys, we're almost done with this series. Uh, we have today and then next week. And uh, then we're going to move into a Christmas series, a kind of a short Christmas series. Uh, but uh, today's sermon and next week's sermon are kind of tied together. And you're going to see what I mean by that next week. Um, but so far, we're, as we're wrapping up this series, you know, I was kind of looking at, we've covered a lot in this series, but uh, in my opinion, there's so much more that we could have covered uh, in the topic of faith. I mean, it's just such a broad topic to, to uh, you know, to address in, in every area of our life. But, you know, I have to trust that this is exactly what God wanted us to cover at this time. And so maybe in the future we'll cover some more, but we don't know. But there's no way that we could discuss the topic of faith without bringing up um, and talking and discussing hardship, trials, suffering in our life. Um, we have to talk about this stuff in the area of faith because they are part of every single one of our lives. And so we're going to be discussing in these last two weeks how to treat hard times, how to treat difficulties and trials when they come our way in life, and how to do it you know, through the area of faith. And that's going to be our focus as we wrap up this series. So to start out with today, if you could just turn in your Bibles, we're going to be looking at a, a very familiar passage in the, in the book of James. James is toward the end of the Bible, if you go there. And James is one of the brothers of Jesus. But James chapter 1 is a very familiar passage. Many of you probably already have it memorized. But this is what James says. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Okay, let's look at the beginning part of that verse, and let's kind of just unpack it a little bit, and let's, let's carefully look at what it's not saying, okay? Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when life is sailing smoothly for you. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when everything in your life is perfect and there are no problems at all, because that's when we should really be considering it pure joy, right? No, that is not what this passage is saying. It's saying, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, not just some kinds, not just certain kinds, many kinds. Whenever you're facing these trials, these hardships, you and I are to be considering it pure joy. We're to consider it pure joy. Now, I just want to say it real quick. We do the considering. It is our job to consider it pure joy. Nobody else is going to do that for us. We must do the work of considering it pure joy. We make the choice in that. And I realize that in the world's eyes, when we look at this idea of considering it pure joy when we face a trial, that doesn't make a lick of sense. I mean, there may be some of you here this morning who you're going through a very intense, very severe trial, and this just hearing this sounds ridiculous. Why in the world am I to consider this pure joy? Because it sure feels like pure suffering. And I get that. I understand that. But the truth is, in the kingdom of God... In the rule and activity of God, this is exactly what we're to be doing. Considering it pure joy. And why is that? Why are we to be considering it pure joy? Well, here's why. The answer is right in the verse itself. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. It develops perseverance. 
You see, the end game is meant to bring perseverance to our lives. And guys, as followers of Jesus here, this is a promise given to us. Okay? People who aren't following Jesus, this is not a promise. They cannot claim this. But as followers of Jesus, as Christians, this is a promise we can claim. We can cling to it. We can face trials with joy because there are rich advantages from these testings that we go through. Trials taken rightly produce the authentic quality of endurance. That's what God promises us. And guys, this isn't brand new news. This isn't like revolutionary, like, wow, I've never heard this before. Of course, we, we've all known this. We all know that when we go through a hard time and we persevere to the end, it produces a perseverance in us that, that leads to maturity. And it's awesome. But there is no gain in endurance without some investment in our trials. We have to go through hard times to be able to grow. You know, it's interesting, this week I was listening to a podcast and they were interviewing this MMA fighter. You guys ever heard of the MMA fighters? It's all the guys know. But it's like this cage where the guys get in there and they fight and it's just hardcore. I'd be terrified to do it. Um, but they get in there and they fight. And they were interviewing this guy and he, they said, one of the questions they asked them, they said, so how are you doing? How do you handle losses? You know, how does that affect you? And he goes, actually, he says, losses are good for me. He says, I actually will learn far more from a loss than I ever will from a win. He says, you don't learn anything from winning, but you learn a lot from a loss. He says, when I lose, I will go back over the videotape. Now look, what did I do wrong? How could I have changed that? What could I do better? What could I train for to make me better in this? And I learn a ton from, from my losses. And guys, it's the same with trials. As we go through trials, we can, if we approach them correctly, we're going to realize that we can learn so much from them. And it will improve our lives. So that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be looking at how do we correctly look at trials? How do we correctly approach our trials so that there are good things in our life? But before we do that, I want to just plug in our definition of faith into the verse we're looking at. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your Belief in the unseen reality of God and His activity develops perseverance. Now, I want you to notice carefully here what this verse is uncovering for us as we approach this. James is wanting us to know this. Look at this. Trials are not meant to shipwreck our faith. They're meant to test our faith. Trials are not meant to shipwreck our faith, they're meant to test our faith. And the reason I say that is because I think so often as Christians, we just think that these trials are, are the enemy's way to try to shipwreck our faith. And it's true, the enemy is trying to use these trials to shipwreck us, but we don't have to get stuck there. I think a lot of Christians get stuck there and they're like, oh, another trial, the enemy's trying to shipwreck me, he's just trying to mess me over, and that's all we focus on is on the bad things of these trials. But we need to realize that trials can be a good thing, they can be helpful, it all depends how we look at them. James wants us to look at them as helpful, and why? Because the truth is, is God is using those trials in our life, and he wants us to use them for good. God wants to use them to test our faith. They're meant to test our faith, not shipwreck it. So what does that even mean? What does it mean that trials can test our faith? Well, 
For us to know that, we need to understand what does the word test mean? And so let me ask you, Whitestone Third Service, what is a test? Why did we take tests in school? Why did teachers, at the end of a chapter or a section or a semester, why were we given tests? Yeah, to see what we know, to, to assess how much we've learned, to gauge how well we, we've done at apprehending the, the stuff that they've been teaching us. Now, sometimes I think we had some teachers who symbolically represent Satan, and they gave us tests to destroy and shipwreck our grades, and it worked pretty well. I remember I had a teacher that he seriously, he seriously loved giving you a test knowing that you were just going to fail it, and he thought that was great. He'd, he'd sit at the t- front of the class, walk in on test day, and he'd be all, <laughs> and we're like, seriously, something's wrong with you, bud. And we'd be like, what's on the test? He's like, I'm not telling you. You just need to know everything. That's what you need to know, everything. Like, what? Seriously. And, and all of us, we just failed terribly in this test. And he thought that was great. I had other teachers who they used tests appropriately. Okay? This, one teacher stands out to me. He would go, all right, guys, we're going to have a test tomorrow. And this is exactly what's going to be on the test because this is what I want you to know. And he'd say, study it. And test, we were given tests to evaluate how much we learned from what was being taught. How well we did on the test was a gauge to how well we learned the lessons we were being taught. Okay? So tests are to gauge how well we're doing at apprehending what we're learning. Well, guess what? Trials in our lives, hardships in our lives, are God's way of putting our faith to the test. Okay? It's God's way of testing how well you're doing at apprehending a life of faith. This is where the rubber meets the road when it comes to faith. This is where the faith in our lives are put to the test and we see, we honestly see how much of a life of faith we're living. You, you, You can't fake it during a trial. Trials have a way of exposing the real kind of life you're living. Are we living a life of faith where we believe in the unseen reality of God and knowing that He's at work and we're to be at work with Him? Or are we living faithless lives, lives of of, of only focusing on the seen world and being involved in what the seen world is doing? Well, depending on how we're living, the trial will expose that in our lives. Um, I remember growing up in New Tribes and... uh, Missionaries would come down to the field and they would be there for several months, even you know, a couple years. But eventually, as a kid, I'd always see these missionaries leave. And it always had to do with a trial. A trial would come into their life and they'd say, you know what, forget it, we're out of here. And they'd move back and they'd give up on everything. A lot of them would eventually, you know, they'd turn their backs on gods because they just couldn't believe this happened. But trials w- would affect them in such a way. And guys, it, it was all because how they looked at the trial. And that's why I think it's so important that we look at trials this way. I think James is making a point of saying that we need to consider it pure joy when you encounter a trial because I think he knows how we Christians tend to look at trials in our life. We tend to look at trials as a bad thing. We think God is against us. We think God is mad at us. We think God has turned his back on us. 
We think the enemy is just coming at us full bore and he's trying to destroy us and that's all we talk about. We say the enemy is he's just trying to take me down and the enemy this and the enemy that. And, and we just keep talking. We look at these trials as really bad things in our lives and we hate them. We fear them. We want to run from our trials. We want nothing to do with them. But James is saying, stop. Stop looking at trials this way. Because if you look at trials this way, you're going to end up giving up in the middle of them. And your faith will never be able to grow. Your faith will be stunted. And you won't develop perseverance, which leads to maturity. It's like take a first grader coming into school and taking tests to evaluate how, he's, how much he's learning. If he keeps you know, running from his tests and quitting halfway in his tests and, and wanting nothing to do with tests, he's never going to grow to eventually get to high school where you take really long tests. He's got to keep going and facing these tests and growing through that. It's the same way with our faith. We shouldn't fear trials. We shouldn't hate them. We shouldn't run from them. We should embrace them. See them for what they are. Understand how God is using them in our lives. They are excellent training grounds for faith. And we must approach them that way. Now, remember, faith, our definition, is believing, and belief is to act as if something were true, to believe in the unseen reality of God and in what He's doing. Okay, And if a trial is to test our faith, then we need to look at it, we need to look at each trial you know, this way, and see how well we're doing at living this life of faith in the midst of that trial, okay? So I want us to look at an example this morning to, to kind of put us all in a scenario of going through a trial and then look at it, how a guy living by faith might go through it and how a guy not living by faith would go through it. And we'll kind of compare the two. But let's say that the scenario this morning is that you have gone to work and you're told that your job, your position has been done away with. You're no longer needed and you're being let go. Okay? So, the person who's living by faith, he's at work that morning and he gets a call over the loudspeaker with Johnny Jojo, please show up at the CEO's office. And so he's walking to the CEO's office. And as you're walking to the CEO office, what would a normal person probably experience? A little what? Anxiety, a little fear. But a person living by faith knows what? He knows that he's not alone. That God is going with him. That the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit walking with him. So he's going in the company of four people. He's walking into the CEO's office. So he's not nervous. God is going with him. This person, on the other hand, the person not living by faith, he's walking to the office and he thinks he's all alone. And he's walking into the CEO's office and he's terrified because he doesn't know what's coming. Well, you sit down into the CEO's chair. He's sitting across the desk from you and he tells you, listen, we had to let your position go. You're no longer needed in this company. And so today's your last day. You can leave. Now, the person who's living by faith, how is he going to respond to that? Well, he's in constant communion with God. And so what he's going to do is say, God, how do I respond to that? What do you want me to say? And God may simply say, well, bless him. Thank him for allowing you to have the privilege to work in this company for the time that you did. And bless the company. Ask God to bless this company. And so as you're sitting there, you're able to do that. You're able to respond to your boss in that sort of way. 
The person who's not living by faith, he gets told this news, and how do you think he responds? Well, you no good piece of junk. I can't believe, I've been working here for 34 years, and this is how you're going to treat me? You respond in anger, and you outburst, and you, you just, you attack him. And you curse him. Why? Because you're not living by faith. Well, you get out of the office and you're walking back to your office to pack up all your things. What does the person living by faith does? Well, he simply goes, okay, God, I'm only here for a few short minutes, maybe an hour. And so, God, is there any other thing you want me to do while I'm still at this company? I'm your hands and feet. And I'm here to extend your kingdom. Is there anything you want me to, to do? Is there anyone you want me to talk to? Anything you want me to say? He's walking and he's approaching it in that way because he has these few precious moments to be lastly used by God in this company. What is this person doing? He's going around saying, did you hear about the CEO? Did you see what he did to me? There's a piece of junk. This company stinks. Blah, 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 blah. And he's spreading venom wherever he goes. Goes to his officers, packing up his things, and realizes that this belongs to the company. Well, I don't care. I've been here for 34 years. I'm keeping it, and they, they're doing fine. And he ends up walking out and causing all this damage on the way out. Well, you hop in the car. And you're driving home. What does the person who's living by faith do? Well, the first thing on his mind isn't to call his spouse and to try to dump all the, you know, the news on her and like, oh, we're, I don't have a job. He's simply talking to God. And he's like, God, you know, I'm excited to see what this new adventure is going to be like. I, I don't know what we've got you know, in the future for me, but I know this, God, that we're going to do it together. This person over here, He's freaked out. He gets on the phone with his wife, and he's like, oh, yeah, honey, you're never going to believe this. I just lost my job, blah, 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 blah. Now she's scared, and he's ripping on his boss in front of her, spreading more venom, and it's a mess. You get home, and this person is coming in to the next day. He wakes up without having a job. Now, this person is secure in his identity. You want to know why? Because his identity is in the reality that he's a child of God, and that has not changed. So he's totally fine. This person over here finds his identity in his work, in what he does. And if he doesn't have a job now, what does that make him? A loser. And so he feels like a loser. His identity has just been tarnished really in a horrible way. Now this person over here, he realizes that he might not have a job, but he's still involved in ministry. Why? Because he's living by faith. So he's still busy serving everyone all around him. He's still at work because he's doing what God is telling him to do. This person over here suddenly has all this time on his hands because he's not at work. And what does he do with that, that free time? He starts running to addictions. He runs to alcohol. He runs to drugs. He runs to video games. He runs to porn. He runs to eating. He runs to all sorts of things. Why? To just fill up the time and all this harmful activity. This person over here, when it comes to looking for a new job, he says, God, I'm going to wait for you to show me. I want to move in step with you. God, you tell me exactly where you want me to go, and I'm going to listen to you, and I'm only going to do what you tell me to do. This person over here, he's on the phone. He's calling a headhunter. He's, he's looking at newspapers. He's doing everything he can to try to get a job because he's got to get his identity back. He's got to get money because he's been told that money is what's going to make everything okay. So he's got to go after this, and he's going to make it happen. Now, guys, I could go on and on comparing these two, but do you see my point? One, over here, this person is living by faith. He's in constant focusing on his unseen God and working with him, doing what God is telling him to do. This person is focusing on the seen world, and he's letting fear captivate his life, which is leading to destructive and harmful activity. 
There's a vast difference between the two of them. But a trial will expose which one you are and where you're at in that journey. And if you're not doing any of these things in the trial you're going through, then you need to step back and go, okay, I have work to do. You have to grow in living out your faith. And trials simply test your faith. So don't fear them. Look at them for what they are as a test and learn from them just like you did with the test going through school. We have to learn from these things. So the question is then, how do we prepare for these tests? How are we able to stand up to these tests whenever the trial comes our way? How can we, by faith, persevere through them the way that we're meant to? And guys, the answer to this is complete simplicity. It's this. We train for it. And I like to put it this way. We train off the spot so that we can be ready on the spot. Does that make sense? We train when we're not in the trial, when we're not suffering, when things are going smoothly, we're training like crazy so that when the time of trial comes, the suffering comes, we're ready for it. We're ready on the spot. It's a little bit like this. Kirk, could you come up here? Let's say that Kirk and I are having this conversation and he's like, Luke, do you play the guitar? And I'm like, of course I play the guitar, dude. I'm awesome. And he's like, really? What would he have to do to be able to prove, you know, to see whether I play a guitar or not? He would give me his guitar. We're going to go things a little backwardly. And, and backwardly. We're going to do things backwards. And I'm going to say, Kirk, prove to me that you know how to play guitar. And uh, <laughs> desert song. It's like a praise and worship song. Yeah. Play the lead guitar. Go for it. Oh, what, do you want me to play? Yeah, yeah, here. What? Don't need this, but play whatever. What I, do what I just did. <laughs> uh. Okay. Here, bud. Oh, Let's just look at this for a second. First of all, by hearing me play, what is that? What did that expose? that I don't know how to play guitar. I don't know how. But we listened to Kirk, and he was pretty humble. He could have gone crazy with his guitar. We listened to Kirk, and we, heard that we saw that he could really play his guitar. But tell me, why could he do that? What has he done? He's practiced. He has trained off the spot so that when I put him on the spot and say, play the desert song, he could actually do that. He has practiced off the spot so he's ready on the spot. I see Kirk in here all the time. I come out of my office and he's in there practicing, practicing, practicing. Why? So that when he's asked to, he can play a song if need be. That's how we're supposed to be living our lives of faith. We must train off the spot. And guys, that's why we've been talking about this. We need to be training off the spot how to hear from God. In, in, in our good times, when life is going easy, we need to be training, God, how do I hear from you? How do I hear your voice? How do I dig into your word and understand your written word as well as your spoken word? 
We need to train off the spot so that when we're in a trial, we're in a hard time, when we ask God something, we can hear Him. When we dig into His Word, we can understand it and it ministers to us. We can live by faith over here. We need to be training how to, to in, in the off-the-spot time, in our good times, we need to be training how to serve other people using the gifts that God's give, given us. Even people who might not be nice to us, we need to train off-the-spot so that when we get into a trial, a time of suffering, we're able to serve using the gifts that God's given us because we've trained for it. We need to train how to work by faith so that when times of trials come, we're able to be ready for it. We're on the spot and we're ready because we've done the training that's necessary. In other words, when life's going well, we train so that when the trials do come and they will come, we're ready. Or at least we're more ready than we were last time. You see, I think we make the mistake that we wait for... When we're on the spot, we're wait for the trial to train. We just wait for the hardship to come, and then we're like, okay, I need to hear from God, or I need to understand what the Word of God is saying. I need to, I need to know how to do this, but we haven't done the work over here. And if we wait for the trial to train, we've already failed. It's like, that would be as stupid as me saying, I want to try to bench press 315 pounds, and I'm going to do it every May. May 3rd, I'm going to try to bench press 315 pounds. So May 1st or May 3rd, I get out there and I'm like, ah, and it crushes me. And the rest of the year, I do nothing, and I'm going to try again on May 3rd next year. Nothing happens. I do nothing the whole year. May 3rd, I try it again. I am going to get nowhere. Why? Because I'm not train, training on the off days. If I don't train on the off days, I won't be ready on the on days. As James said, trials test our faith. In other words, they put our faith to the test. And when the trial comes, we may tank miserably. We may be like me with that guitar. The patheticness of our faith may be horribly exposed by that trial we find ourselves in. But when that trial is over, we continue to train off the spot during the good times so that when the next trial comes, our faith has grown. And we're more ready to face the hardship. Sure, our faith may not be perfect, but it's growing, and it's growing, and it's growing. Each test we go through shows an improvement in our faith. It's a lot like the picture that we're using for this faith series of the tree. We look at that tree, and we see the beautiful leaves and all the branches and everything, and that's part of the seen part. But we don't see the unseen part, and that's the root systems. And guys, faith is the root systems of the Christian life. We can't see it. But when adversity comes, it will be exposed, much like that tree. If that tree does not have the root system, when the winds come, what's going to happen to it? It'll get knocked over. When the storms come, it's going to get blown down. And that's how it is with the Christian life. Without faith, we would just get blown over. Without faith, when trials come, we're just going to get knocked down if we haven't trained for it. And guys, what saddens me is that across this nation, I see so many Christians who have no root system. They live completely faithless lives. They have no root systems at all. They're tumbleweeds. How many guys have ever seen a tumbleweed? A few of you? I grew up in, in uh, I went to high school in Arizona, and there are tumbleweeds all over the place. I mean, everywhere. You go hunting, you're just you're seeing tumbleweeds everywhere. And just to kind of explain tumbleweeds, you see, you can kind of see it in the center there. 
But do you see those green things on the side of the road? Guess what those are? They're tumbleweeds. They just happen to be growing. And tumbleweeds are kind of like, hey, look at me. I'm getting all big and green, and I'm a big bush, and I'm so awesome and pretty. But guess what happens? How, guess what happens when a good hard wind comes? Boom. They just snap right off. They have no root systems, and they just go, and they blow right on. And, and that's what a tumbleweed is like. And you know what? That's what so many Christians in our nation are like. They have no faith. They have no root systems. Maybe on the outside, it may look all good, like, hey, look at me. I'm so amazing. I have so much knowledge of the Bible. But when a trial comes, when a good hard wind comes, boom, they get knocked over. They get blown away. When the storms of life come from this direction, they get pushed this direction. When it comes from this direction, we get pushed this direction. And they just go scurrying all over, get blown all over the place. They can't stand up. And why? Because they have not trained off the spot in being able to live a life believing in their unseen God and in what He is doing. And when hardship comes, they only can focus on the seen world because that's all they've practiced. That's all they've trained for. And they respond accordingly. And they get blown over again and again and again and again. They're faithless, rootless Christians. And sadly, guys, that's more commonplace than faithful, rooted Christians. In fact, this is what churches look like across our nation. Just a bunch of tumbleweeds. And if you notice, pay attention to the color. They're brown. They're lifeless. They're dead. They're not growing at all. And you know, when the world looks at a church like this, what do you think it's going to say? It's going to say, that's already what my life looks like. Why would I want to be part of your group? What do you have to offer me? That doesn't impress me that much. But unfortunately, this is what so many churches have to offer in our world today. When in all actuality, we should look like this. Strong, beautiful, full of life, tough, enduring, persevering. We can stand up to the storms of life. Let the winds of hardship blow. We're ready. Let the trials come. We have our roots firmly planted. You know, now we didn't get here overnight, but we trained for it day in and day out. Off the spot training, living lives of faith, training to live lives in our workplaces, in our families, in our alone times. We use, and we use these trials to expose where we needed to work more with God and allow His grace to work in, in us so that it produced us into this. Bit by bit, we grow into trees like this. And guys, this is what churches should look like. This is how we should look like. And you know, if a tumbleweed would roll into this, it'd look up and go, wow. Now, I could handle being one of these. I want that. I'm so sick and tired of being blown left and right and north and south and all over the place. I want to be like you guys. And you know what? We'll be able to show them how. We'll be able to show them how because we've been living it ourselves, burying our roots of faith deeper into the soil in each trial, getting better and better and better, growing deeper and deeper and deeper till eventually when it comes to faith, we lack nothing. We're fully mature, like it says in James 
1, verse 5. I'm going to read all those verses we just looked at and a couple more. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not what? Lacking anything. So that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Guys, with each test, hopefully you'll be further and further and further down the road to having a mature faith, not lacking anything. Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, guess what? We can. We can get there. We can experience that. By the grace of God, we can experience that. By the Holy Spirit who lives within us, we can experience that. So remember, don't fear trials. They're God's way of of testing our faith. Embrace them. Use them for what they're for. Continue to train off the spot in living a life of faith so that you can be ready on the spot. And use each trial to evaluate how you're apprehending or taking on this life of faith. Amen? Here's our homework. I want you to take some time to sit down and evaluate your last trial, or many of you may be going through a current trial right now. And I want you to go point by point through that trial and see how well you did. Or if you're in a current trial, see how well you're doing at paying attention to your unseen God in the midst of all of it. Okay? Really work through it. Say, God, how how did I do with this? How did I do with this? And, And be honest. Journal what you could have done better as well as what you think you did well. But I want to encourage you, do this with God. Let let Him help you through this. Let Him show you what you did wrong, what you did right. And then when you're done, beginning that we're doing this within community, I want you to share this with someone, um, someone who you trust. Go with them and share what you learned in this exercise and just share what you wrote down. Okay? Third service, you up for doing this? Okay. Hey, I just want to say I I really appreciate you guys applying this homework. Uh, Some of the homework... The experiences from the homework have been trickling down. Some of you have you know, shared experiences and emailed me experience of how it went. And I love hearing that. That's awesome. I love hearing how God is using you as you are training in these lives of faith. Don't stop. Keep doing it. This is how we're meant to be living 24-7. Amen? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much for my third service. I thank You for every person here. I pray that You would bless them. I pray that they might become like these trees in the picture strong, firmly rooted, being able to stand up against the winds and the storms of life because they're living by faith. And God, I pray that the world might be able to look at our our family here and say, man, I want that. I need that. I'm tired of being a tumbleweed. And God, may we be able to show them that the answer is Jesus. We love you. We thank you, God, for everything you've done for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I know you have Thanksgiving this week. Have a great, great time as you are celebrating Thanksgiving. I'd encourage you, don't talk about politics. Just enjoy the food. But I just want to say this real quick to all of you. I am so thankful to God for each and every single one of you. You are some of the greatest people in this world, and I get to do life with you. So thank you for being you. Have a great week. If you would like to be prayed for or anyone to be prayed with, uh, Linda would love to do that with you. We'll see you next Sunday.